This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Knives, machetes, saws, and shears. Multi-tools, shovels, swords, axes, spears, hatchets, and tomahawks. If it cuts, snips, slices, or chops, Midway USA has it. Find great gift ideas in our huge selection of pocket knives and other everyday carry folding knives. Make a statement or create a family legacy with one of our top-of-the-line hunting knives. We've got a great selection of manual and electric sharpeners, too. For just about everything for the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. From the nation's capital, this is the Fly Fishing Consultant Podcast with your host, Rob Snowett. So it's about a week before Christmas, and all through the house, there's this guy preparing to go steelhead fishing in Ohio. This is the third annual Ohio Steelhead Fly Fishing Podcast. I'll be heading up to my in-laws on the 23rd, and since I'm a Jew, Christmas to me has always been national Jews go to the movie and eat Chinese day, but now I use it more as a, you know, a fishing thing. Tom and I used to go fishing a lot on Christmas because we're both Jews and on Christmas people are opening presents and Mossy Creek or Big Hunting Creek was always open and free for us. So I've been doing this trip now. It's my third time, so I'm a little more comfortable in what I, I need to pack. It's a very light packing trip because I'm going to be driving with the wife, the dog, and the kid. So it's going to be one switch rod and one nine foot, 10 weight rod. It's going to be my waders. I was hoping to get my new Devil's Canyon Corkers boots in the mail, but they're going to arrive on the 27th. So it's waders, boots, waiting staff, two rods, a shoulder sling, and a big box of flies. And that's probably going to be it. And, you know, leaders, tippets, and split shot. I will be heading up to the Chagrin River, and if things go well, I'm not allowed to sleep in my car when my in-laws are aware of what I'm doing, and my wife said I can't sleep in it. So it looks like 
going to crash one night up at one of my wife's childhood friend's houses in the town of Willoughby, which has the Chagrin River running through it. And if you remember Matt Becca from last year, I met up with him on the Chagrin River. Been emailing back and forth with Matt, and he sent me some spots on the Rocky River. So I'm going to try fishing two different rivers this time. We'll see how that goes. There was just a big ice thaw this week. Right now it's 60 degrees in D.C. I wouldn't be surprised if the Forsythian cherries pop some blossoms this weekend. I just walked Dr. Jones and flip-flops. So not just here, it's a big thaw, but up on the Great Lakes. Chagrin River Outfitters posted on Facebook last night. The ice is melted and the rivers are flowing free again. And there shouldn't be too much precip in the next week, so they'll be nice and clear. I'll definitely stop into Chagrin River Outfitters. I'm also going to go into Mad River Outfitters in Columbus, more specifically in Dublin, because I want to fish for some muskies at Alum Creek Lake. Remember back to the Somerset podcast last year, we had Mike Schmidt, fly tire, not baseball player, from Angler's Choice Flies. And he said that there's some muskie in there. So I'm going to go in on Christmas Eve, buy some materials, maybe some other stuff at the fly shop, and try and get the skinny on muskie fishing. I don't know what leaders I need. I don't know what tippets I need. I don't have any musky flies. I've got three bunker flies from Orvis. It's an old about seven inch baitfish pattern bunker are also known as Menhaden, Brevorsha tyrannus. It's a common bait fish in the Chesapeake. I want to say bait fish, but it's a, it's a forage fish for the, the striped bass bluefish. So it's a big fly. I'm hoping that maybe if I get into some muskies, I will get them to eat that i'm also going to hit up hobby lobby up there for some fly time materials i also need to buy some fly time materials to stock up on because in the new year which you are listening to this podcast now i will be a featured fly tire at the fly fishing show in lancaster pennsylvania and winston salem north carolina so i gotta stock up on some fly time material i've already outlined about two dozen patterns i'm gonna be tying there so i want to stock up on some basic materials So when I check in with you next, it should hopefully be in Columbus, Ohio, and let's see where this trip leads us. I'm not just looking forward to the in-law's house and seeing my brother-in-law and his schnauzer, but also the sandwich at What About Bob's. So you will hear me rave about that sandwich at What About Bob's Ultimate Subs. All right, that's the first installment. Let's see where this trip takes us. Greetings from... Columbus, Ohio. Specifically, we're in Bexley right now. It is Christmas Day, otherwise known as National Jews Go to the Movies and Eat Chinese Day. I spent yesterday running some errands around Columbus up in the area of Gemini Polaris. And then I went down to Dublin and then back up to Gemini Polaris. So we started off at Hobby Lobby. And I'm kind of conflicted going into there as the owner is a noted anti-Semite. But I wanted to explore and and just see the options that another craft store has for fly time materials. I briefly went in last year before I knew it was an anti-Semite and then went back in uh, this year. I did happen to find some fly time material. I took a lot of pictures, so this will be up on the blog. There are all sorts of fantastic things you can buy at the Hobby Lobby. And it goes from uh, Lady Amherst feathers, peacock feathers, golden pheasant feathers to, oh man, I don't know. They've got uh, guinea fowl, all sorts of other stuff, synthetic hackles, 
So you'll, you'll take a look at those at the blog. You can go over to flyfishingconsultant.blogspot.com. And then next to that, there's Costco. So I figure, hey, I'm going to go fill up my tank of gas. I hear Costco's got inexpensive gas. And I go over there. It's like nine degrees out. So I get ready to fill up the tank. And, of course, Costco doesn't take Visa. So, yeah, I, I just bailed on that option. But Cabela's is next door. So I figure, ooh, I'm going to go check out Cabela's. See if they got any fly time material. I need to replace my very, 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 very inexpensive dubbing twisting tool that I got at a Cabela's, I guess, about a year ago. So I go in there and I figure I've got all the time in the day because it's it's my day off. I had spent probably an hour wandering Hobby Lobby and probably about 45 minutes in Cabela's. This Cabela's outside Columbus, it's a lot smaller than the other two uh, Cabela I that I've been to. I've been to the Wheeling, West Virginia one, and then the one near producer Jason. Not near him, but it's it's out closer towards him. Fly Titan apartment was pretty slim. I ended up getting some chartreuse, ultra chenille for San Juan's, and I think I got a thing of split shot, and that may have been it. I wandered the whole store. It just there just really wasn't anything in there that uh, was appealing to me. I, I mean, it's. It's needs versus wants, wants versus needs. So I was like, all right, forget it. I'm going to go down to the fly shop now. So I get back on the road, and I drive down to Dublin, Ohio, stop in Mad River Outfitters. First thing I notice when I walk in, everything's backwards. I wasn't sure if um, they had moved things around or if it was me, and, and they convinced me that last year I'd come in the back door. That's why it looked backwards. I started off saying, uh, you know, I'm in town again I'm, you know, over the holidays. I'm going to go up to do some steelhead. I know the rivers are blown out, but Mike Schmidt told me there's some muskies I can fish for. And they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, so muskies. So we start talking muskies, and um, the only thing I can compare getting into muskie fishermen is Jerry Seinfeld saying that he's not an orgy guy. I'm not a muskie fisherman, but I'm quickly learning I need a whole new set of stuff. Now, Jerry says, I can't. I'm not an orgy guy. And Georgie Boy says, are you crazy? This is like discovering plutonium by accident. Jerry says, don't you know what it means to be an orgy guy? It changes everything. I'd have to dress different. I'd have to act different. I'd have to grow a mustache and get all kinds of robes and lotions. And I'd need a new bedspread and new curtains. I'd have to get thick carpeting and weirdo lighting. I'd have to get new friends. I'd have to get orgy friends. Nah, I'm not ready for that. So that's sort of what uh, I learned is going to be musky fishing. I was like, what kind of leader do I need for these muskies you got here? And Lou, who you remember helped me out last year, provided a plethora of information for me this year. So he's like, all right, leader, 80 pounds. And I'm like, uh. So the other guy behind the register goes to the back and gets some Rio Power Flex 80 pound leader material. And I'm just like, oh my goodness. So he's like, yeah, there's nothing in there that's small. Everything's going to be 45 inches and above. And I'm like, oh my God. He's like, you're probably going to need a 30 to 40 pound uh, bite guard, metal or or mono. So I'm like, all right, so I got to go back to Cabela's and get some uh, tiger wire or something else. And then I started asking Lou about the fishing location, and we pull it up on Google Maps, and he gives me this whole breakdown of how Alum Creek Lake fishes throughout the year. 
starting in spring through the the rest of the year. And honestly, I, I'm not really going to share that. That's something you're going to have to go into the fly shop for. But I found it fascinating. I definitely learned some things. Um, I never really considered that fish in the springtime will hang closer to rock structures because the sunlight's going to warm those rocks up sooner. I thought that was absolutely fascinating. I've been doing this a long time, and that's never something I've really uh, considered. I know dark bottoms will heat up faster, but I never considered rock structures as um, obtaining the solar energy and releasing that in the form of heat. So, yeah, he was talking about muskies can get sucked through the spillway. So, basically, it's a top-release dam, and then there's a hundred-and-something-yard concrete spillway, and the muskies are in that spillway eating gizzard shad. There's no waiting. You fish from shore. So I went and got directions. It's go back up, get off at Polaris, turn left on something. And then I passed these gigantic houses. I mean, these are considered like what you would find in Great Falls, Virginia for like three to four million dollars. And these are on lakes. House is starting in the $350,000. Are you kidding me? For $350,000 where I live? You can get a two-bedroom, two-bathroom townhouse, one floor, like an apartment for $350,000. With a bunch of other people where your hallways are going to smell like onions and curry and whatever else people are cooking down the hall, it's unfathomable that you could buy a monstrosity of a house with like a three-car garage on a lake a quarter mile from musky fishing. For $350,000. So then I go up and I find the parking spot that Lou directed me to. And I get out. And like I said, it's like single digits. It's howling wind. I'm out in the open. So I walk up and down. I got my polarized glasses on. I'm looking. Maybe these muskies are up on the shoreline warming themselves in the sun as there's a buttload of water coming out of the dam. So much that the glory hole is spewing water. And there's picnic benches underwater on the other side. There are trash cans underwater. And I'm looking around and I'm like, there are people that literally live at the end of this spillway. Like you could get out of your house and walk across the street and just go fishing from shore for 50 inch musky whenever you want. So that is just boggling my mind. So I'm deciding now, maybe I need to go to Cabela's, maybe not. I'm just going to head back. Um, I'll come back to Cabela's. When the water dropped. So the water, so what happened was they had like eight or 10 inches of snow up in the whole northern central Ohio area. And then a, three inches of rain fell, melted 10 inches of snow plus three inches of water. So right now, everything is blown out. So I've been heavily watching the Water Boss hotline. I've also been looking at the Alum Creek Lake discharge and everything's dropping. So I think tomorrow I might go up and try Muskie and then. Friday, Saturday, I'm going to do steelhead once that is perfectly clear. Now, steelhead like San Juan worms, and they also have been in water that's been flooding for the last week. So I'm thinking San Juans are going to do pretty good up there. I have been tying up soft hackle flashback pheasant tail nymphs, which now is becoming my now go-to just favorite nymph. It used to be my HNIC, my head nymph in charge, but... I'm really digging these uh, flashback pheasant tails, the soft tackle, a little clear cure goo over them. I'll be tying them up at the Lancaster show. I'll be tying them up at Winston-Salem, North Kakalaki next year. I've got a place to stay up there. So I've been tying, I've been doing intruders, listening to Zach Matthews 
podcast. So it takes me about three intruders per podcast. It's slow, but I've got nothing else to do today. Uh, we're out of beer in the house. There's some whiskey and wine, but I don't really feel like doing anything hard liquor. I like to sit down and have a cold beer. There was one Heineken. I drank it yesterday. So I got you just hanging out. We're watching movies with the kid. Uh, of course, we're watching Pixar movies because that's where my brother-in-law works. So we've been watching Up about four times in a row. And other than that, that's about it for today. I'm going to start uh, organizing the fly boxes. If you're on Instagram today, you, you saw that. How I pulled every single fly out of my box. What I do is, for Steelhead, I have what I call my pocket box. It's the box that's going to be in my chest uh, bellow pockets on my Patagonia jacket. Or it's going to be in the waiter pouch or inside my waiters. Then I have like the mothership, which is going to be in my backpack. Here I fish with a backpack up on the Salmon River. I have a shoulder bag usually that's got all the extra flies. So I've got a big Plano box that's going to be in the backpack. And with whatever gets run out, destroyed in the pocket box, I can then replenish with what's in the backpack. So I plan on fishing the Rocky River. I plan on fishing the... The 1911 is one of the most iconic firearms in history. Designed by John Browning, the 1911 was the standard issue sidearm of the U.S. military from 1911 to 1985. While Colt produced the original, almost every major firearm company has produced its own version. It's wildly revered for its reliability, crisp trigger, and is still a favorite for all types of shooters. Whether you're looking to buy or build a 1911 and just about everything for guns, log on to MidwayUSA.com. Chagrin River, definitely going to get that sandwich. My mother-in-law's like, oh, you get so excited about sandwich. We're from Mazarasha. We don't get excited about sandwiches. And, and you guys know how much a, a good sandwich makes me happy. So I am looking forward to this and maybe bringing back some some micro brews from up there for the wife to satiate her craft beer hankering. Um, going to definitely stop into Chagrin River Outfitters. I need some more fly tie material. Stuff I didn't get at Mad River. I, I mean, I, I got some stuff for Mad River. Um, a tangent. Super tangent now. Just sit back. So uh, like four months ago, I'm going to meet clients at Pohick Bay. And I'm filling up my gas tank at the gas station down the street. And this guy comes out of his car. He's filling up. And we start talking because there's a three-quarter of a bottle of Jose Cuervo on top of the gas tank. And I'm like, if you don't drink that... Someone else is going to. And then we agreed there's probably just a bunch of urine in there. And we left it was. Then we start fishing. He sees the drift boat. We start talking. He's like, yeah, so I live up the street. I got a flats boat. I do a lot of tournament fishing. I fly fish. I spin fish. I bait cast. And we exchanged numbers and said, yeah, let's meet up sometime. Maybe this winter we'll take his boat to Blue Plains. So we went to Blue Plains uh, the day before we drove up here. It was 70 degrees in D.C. I mean, in the 70s. So I'm wearing like a long sleeve shirt and then just uh, my Patagonia jacket over. Porter and his friend Kevin are both wearing flip flops on the boat. We get to Blue Plains and it's like stripers that are in like the 26 inch range, crushing bait. So I don't have any big bait fish flies on me because I really don't fish that style with my clients or myself for the last 10 years. So I went up to Mad River Outfitters and got a bunch of big slappins to start tying up deceivers again. And I honestly haven't tied a deceiver. Since I was single, so it's going to be interesting to, to relearn how to, to do deceivers. So that's the tangent. I bought uh, deceiver material up there. I bought some new um, uh, peacock hurl stuff. I also bought some more San Juan material. 
I'm trying to think what else. Oh, and I bought a backstabber fly. You remember the Jay Zimmerman podcast? That's his patented carp fly. And I'd never seen one before. They're not really carried that I know of down in the mid-Atlantic. So I was quite excited to see the backstabber and bought one. And now it's on the dashboard of the car so I can recreate and go back home. So let me end it there. I'm going to go um, finish watching up. I'm not going to give you spoilers about the movie, but uh, we're halfway through. And that is it for um, end of the year fly fishing in uh, Ohio. Next time I talk to you, it'll be either failure or revelry in musky fishing. Greetings from the parking lot of Shay Sam Walton. Checking in with you from the Walmart parking lot in uh, Mayfield, Ohio, somewhere around the Cleveland area. I shall be um, bedding down here shortly this evening as the household where I was supposed to stay this evening, everybody is chundering with the stomach flu. So i glad I brought my sleeping bag. I'm going to use my sleeping bag stuff sack. I'm going to put all my extra layers in there and that will be my pillow. I have my gigantic down Moonstone jacket, which I'm going to wear on my torso. I've got my um, Project Healing Waters buff I will cover my face with. And that will also keep the light out because I am parked underneath the light right now. So let me get you caught up. Today is the 27th of December. I spent yesterday mostly hanging out at the in-laws house. I... Took my leisure time tying up a handful of intruder flies, pink and purple ones, mostly because that's mostly the colors I have. Um, Then when my mother-in-law returned after running errands in this car, which has the car seat with uh, my daughter, the Pixie, I went up to Cabela's and I had to buy some of the more new material for Muskie. Now, like I said, I'm not a muskie fisherman. I dropped about $50 on this trip to fish for muskie while here. I had to buy a metal wire bike guard. I also bought some gigantic swivels. And since my 30-pound leader material is green and I didn't have a, a tippet material that's clear, I bought a $12 pack of Berkeley Vanish 30-pound. They also had Berkeley Vanish 8-pound on clearance for about $7. So I picked up the last one of those for my fishing tackle. That is what I use, I would say, 95% of the time as my terminal leader material. Whether it's up here steelheading or out on the bay, if I ever get back to the Chesapeake Bay If I'm in Colorado, I use that for streamers, and I use that all around D.C. So it's always good to have 250 yards of 8-pound Berkeley, especially that deal. I also picked up a pair of Cabela's brand work pants because they were, I don't know, 40-something percent off. And let me tell you, do not go to Cabela's the day after Christmas, also known as Bank Day, because there is a monstrosity of people there. It was a plethora, a myriad. The parking lot was full of people returning stuff. I left there, and the wind was picking up. Temperatures were hovering around freezing. I drove over to the spillway. I built myself a leader after I also bought my fishing license. Got to be legit while you're here. And round up 70 cents for conservation. I, I threw that in there. Rigged up my 
Trident TLS, which is a rod that Orvis sold in the late 90s. My parents said if I moved out of their house, they'd buy me a fly rod. So this was when I packed up and moved to the Keys for half of a winter. They bought me this rod. It's a 10 weight. It's got a nice olive finish. And then Tom put a fighting butt about five inches above the cork. It looks really nice. And I have not fished that rod probably since I was in the Keys. So it was nice to take the rod out. I put on my loop. I don't know what weight reel, but it had 10 weight sink tip. And then I built uh, you know about five feet of 80 pound. Did a perfection loop to about three feet of 30 pound. And then I attached somehow, I don't remember, the metal bite guard. At the end of the metal bite guard, there was a swivel, snap swivel. So to that, I put on about the eight or nine inch bunker fly. Now bunkers are another name for Medhanen Brevorsha tyrannus. It's a filter feeding fish of the, um, I want to say Clupeid family, but don't don't quote me on that. Uh, yeah, other things I have made mistakes on. I think I said Westminster Road to get there. It was uh, not Westminster Road. I don't remember the road to get to the reservoir. And I also back in the day said. I didn't believe that ostrich plumes were good for tying intruder flies, but I have now reversed my opinion on that, and I've been looking for purple and fuchsia-colored ostrich plumes the whole time I'm up here. So I get to the reservoir, and it is windy. I mean, it is like gusty, blowing wind. It's out in the open. Hold on, i got to close this back gate. It's getting cold now here. All right. So it's getting really windy. I put on my gigantic down Moonstone jacket. I haven't worn it in two years because the zipper's been broken, but I sat down and used some needle-nose pliers and was able to fix it, and it is monstrous. You can honestly wear a t-shirt under it and be fine if it's below freezing. Uh, Put on my Sika Gear hat, my fingertipless gloves. I got base layers on. Got to put sunglasses on because with that wind, you know, your eyes start to water. I walk out to the spillway and I start chucking this fly and the fly's heavy when it's dry. When it's wet, it's like a wet sock and it's now my guides are freezing up pretty quickly. The fly's starting to freeze. It's not easy. So I'm casting a 10 foot or nine foot rod with 10 weight sink tip with like a nine inch wet streamer. It's pretty hard and I don't really know where these fish are. It's still, uh, so the water had been going down for two days, and then all of a sudden that morning it jumps back up. I figure I might as well just go do it. So I was up there. The water was still up over what looked like a cement sidewalk that went along the spillway on the eastern side and or the northern side. I wasn't really sure. Uh, Ohio's flat, so I really can't tell what direction's what out here. Honestly, you could spin me in a circle, and I wouldn't know what direction I am looking at. So I'm throwing this fly, I'm letting it sink, I'm swinging it, I'm stripping it. I take two steps to the left downstream, do the same thing. Basically do that for the whole like 100-yard stretch and nothing. So I cross the bridge, I start fishing my way up. Notice that the trash cans that were underwater a couple days before are now exposed. So the water has dropped and now I'm fishing. The whole place is covered in riprap except for this couple staircases that would go down. So my fly line's getting tangled at my feet. Definitely a stripping basket would have helped. 
or something just to help tame that fly line. Um, so it's riprap. It's icy. It's very difficult to walk on. My fly is getting caught. The only sign that fish are in there is um, I see a dead walleye. So now that makes four walleye I've seen in my entire life. This one was dead. It was maybe 18 inches long. It was pretty cool nonetheless to see a, a walleye. At least I knew there was something in there. But no signs of life. I fished maybe an hour, hour and 10 minutes and just said, screw this. I'm going home. I'm I'm cold, it's windy, everything's frozen, and 10 weights aren't made to fish that way. There was way too much casting on my end for a 10 weight to be used. So I, I was pretty, my hand was hurting, my casting hand, my shoulder was hurting. It just, it was an experience. Uh, maybe I'll, I'll, you know, go back in a couple of days if the water does drop, but unless it does drop by like four feet, I'm not going back up there. So that brings me to today. I was, uh, or last night, emailing with Jim Lampros of Orvis. The plan was to meet up this morning before he had to go to work. So I set the alarm. I got up at 6. I was out the door by 6.12, plugged in the GPSs. For some reason, our Garmin does not like me to drive on the interstates here, or what my wife calls the freeway. So it said it was going to take me five hours to get north. Um so every time an exit came up on, I guess, 71 North, it would tell me to take these back roads. It was getting, eventually I just took the thing and turned it off. I listened to Michael Mayer's show podcast. So that was the first hour. Pull off. I was hoping to find a Dunkin' Donuts because I do drink coffee, but I kind of only like Dunkin'. And I was getting hungry and it was still dark. So definitely it gets darker later in the day here. But it gets brighter later in the morning, if that makes sense. So I'm seven hours west of D.C., so sunlight, the sunrise is like 40 minutes later, and sunset's like 40 minutes later. So it's a little little different. So it's like 7.30. I finally pull off to, to McDonald's. I get uh, egg McMuffin with bacon, and I get a coffee with cream and sugar. I didn't realize that. McDonald's now puts the cream and sugar in. You don't do the packets anymore. This shows how much I, I've been drinking coffee and eating at McDonald's. Get back on the road. I call Jim uh, when I get on 271. And he's like, oh, you're, you're like 15 minutes away, 20 minutes away. He gives me directions. I'm trying to remember, get off on this road, make a left on that one, make a right on that one. When you see the gazebo, go down the hill, park, cross the street, go down the street, down the riprap under the bridge. So after I pass the gazebo, unbeknownst to him, I call him, I get better directions. I'll have a picture of that gazebo for a landmark for you on the blog. I get down there. I suit up into my waders. I take out my Orvis Helios 11 foot switch rod. I've got my loop reel. I want to say it's a loop three. I don't really know. It's got a Rio outbound short 475 chartreuse green line. It is fantastic i mean this line does everything for you combined with an 11 foot switch rod i don't like the two-handed or quote-unquote spay rod uh my 14 foot nine weight it kind of just keeps dormant however if i do go back next year in the summer or spring fall whenever to alum i'm gonna bring that switch rod or the, i'm sorry my spay rod or my two-hander because i need that extra leverage to cast it was just a pain in the arse 
Also, the spillway is shaped like a V. So when you're down on the rocks, your back cast is literally at the top of the hill, the incline. So I'm catching grass and trees and it was, it was very frustrating. So I finally gear up. I tie, I don't know. I don't tie anything on. I just, uh, I built a leader last night, get my backpack, which has got the mother ship of flies. It's got my DSLR. It's got 30, 20, 10 pound leader. I've got my 40 pound amnesia for the end of your fly line. If it breaks, you put a loop on that. Barrel swivels and my tie fast knot tool and my fish grabbing glove. And then I put my pocket box in my pocket, my phone case on. I got my Sitka gear hat, my net gator, my fingertipless gloves, and I'm off. And it doesn't take me long to find Jim. He's, you know, I go to the bridge. There's one guy, I mean, honestly, chest deep in this water. He must have had neoprenes on. He was spin fishing, so I knew that wasn't Jim. And I finally see dog tracks going down. I figure Orvis guy, he's probably got a dog with him. And sure enough, when I get to him, he's got a lab with him. I want to say the dog's name is Victor. Very fun dog. Didn't make a peep. He was playing with sticks. He was excited when he would kick a rock. I found a football I threw to him. And Jim's showing me the spot. We're on the deposit side of a cut, fishing the opposite bank in the deeper water. And I'm not going to be able to get Jim on the podcast, but some of the things I learned from him are this. These fish are very lethargic in this cold water. They're going to be on the bottom. You got to do a lot of mending to get down. He was using a T10 or T11 tip on his Helio switch rod to get his flies down. He started off, he had a white streamer on, and then he switched. I, I should have gotten some pictures. He had some just crazy big flashy streamers. And he would work a stretch, take a step down, work a stretch, take a step down. Um, We talked about the substrate, how it's this hard clay that breaks off into like um, saucer size, like a teacup saucer size rocks. Plus you've got shale and the fish don't like that fast, smooth water under their bellies. They prefer the gravel and sand where there's more nooks and crannies. There's different currents. And we talk about how there's really not a whole lot of food life in there. You flip over rocks, they're clean. There's no, there's no caddis. I don't see any mayflies. I don't see stoneflies on the snow. There's no stoneflies. So I'm trying to compare my steelhead fishing on the Salmon River of New York to here. The Salmon River being a tailwater, it's full of crayfish, helgramites, stoneflies, caddisflies, mayflies. Um, a lot of stuff that the fish feed on. There's all the eggs from the salmon. There's the sucker spawn. All the flies I tied for up here really don't work. It's more of streamer fishing that these fish are lethargic. You just put something big, bright, shiny in front of them, and they're going to strike out of aggression. So we fish. Jim has to be leaving at 11, so we fish from, you know, like, Nine o'clock to eleven, so about two hours. Neither of us gets a tug. There's no bite. It's flurrying. It's pretty out. There's no litter. Um, there's huge houses down there. I mean, if you're from D.C., these are the ones in Potomac, Maryland, and Great Falls, or something you would see um, along the Pacific Coast Highway up in Malibu or down in Laguna. I mean, castles. These things are disgustingly big. I, I don't know what they cost or what these people do, but there was one house that you could see that was just, 
I mean, huge. It just kept going. And Jim, was, we were talking about the Chagrin River Valley, how it's such a beautiful drive. I want to say the road is 174, Chagrin River Road. It's pine trees and sycamores covered in snow. And you have these cottage-like houses you expect to see in a fairy tale with Christmas wreaths on them. And every light pole and street sign is wrapped with like a, a red ribbon up it, sort of like a barber pole. And it's just beautiful. I leave there uh, about 11.30, lost my chartreuse intruder, which pissed me off. That thing took quite a long time to, to tie. Head over to Chagrin River Outfitters and figure I'm going to go to lunch afterwards. So I take off the waders, put the boots back on. I go into the Outfitters, uh, go through the 50% off bin. I get a nice huge pack of yellow marabou, which I, I can use for uh, popsicles. I find a giant Full hide of black zonkers from Wapsi. And at $12, it's a fantastic deal to get that whole skin. I'm going to need those for tying bacon flies at the fly fishing show this year. And I also bought purple ice dub. Because I don't have any purple ice dub. I want to tie up some purple intruders for the bass on the Potomac, which is also why I'm trying to find the purple ostrich plumes. Maybe I'll get those at the fly fishing show. If not... I'll order them through Hairline Dubbin, or I'll go online and find a costume shop. As uh, you remember, I talked to that extremely bosomy woman in Las Vegas who gave me the name of one. And when I say extremely bosomy, I mean motorboat. It's the first thing you think of when you saw this woman. You're like, and I just, yeah, it was Vegas. She was dressed up as a showgirl just walking around the street. Uh, what else? So I leave there, and I go to What About Bob's? You know, my probably third favorite sandwich shop of all time. And I pull in the parking lot and I go in and the place is empty. There's two kids shooting some basketball hoops at the like Chuck E. Cheese basketball hoop that's in there. And then there's a couple just sitting quietly and the TV's on and there's two employees back there. Now, last year when I walked in, I probably stood in line for 10 minutes. There was maybe two seats open and 15 people behind the counter cooking. I go to grab the menu, and it's completely different. I'm like, yo, what's up? I want my roast beef sandwich. What's going on? She's like, well, we changed the menu. We have new owners about eight months ago. And I'm just like, wah, wah. I'm like, all right, you don't got the roast beef. You know, like I eat bacon. I eat cured, cured salamis and stuff, but I don't eat ham. I, I, prosciutto is disgusting to me. If you ever have to cut prosciutto... At a deli, it's the greasiest son of a bee you've ever had to deal with. I refuse. I've had like fried prosciutto, but yeah, I just don't eat ham. I don't eat prosciutto. So I get the steak and cheese sandwich, which I expect to be on the big hoagie bun. And I also get tater tots. I mean, how can you screw up tater tots? The tater tots come in a you know foil bag. I got my sandwich wrapped up. It's uh, like $8, which is you know a great price compared to D.C., get in the car and I drive down to Todd Field, pop a Pabst Blue Ribbon and sit in the back of the car and open up my sandwich and it's a square sandwich cut into triangles like, or cut in a half. I don't know. Either way, either way, it wasn't what I was expecting for steak and cheese. I eat it. It's, uh, eh, it's a sandwich. It was food, but yeah, I mean, talk about disappointment. I've been looking forward to this sandwich literally for a year now. And it was disappointing. The tater tots were awesome. My Pabst was eh, like 40 degrees, whatever the back of the car was. But 
Yeah, so I ate half the sandwich, all the tater tots, chugged some seltzer water, geared up and headed down to Todd Field. Water down here was much more murky. The sun had come out by now, so there was a lot more snow melt, runoff. I start chucking intruders, making my way upstream through the big hole. Uh, nothing. So I walk upstream. I see a guy drifting egg sacks. Talk to him. He said he got one steelhead in the fast water upriver on a brown bugger earlier in the day. It's like, all right, maybe there's some hope. So I go up, I cross. The next good hole's got a dude. And you know, the thing is here, it's not like the Salmon River. You don't have to be on the river at four in the morning to claim your steelhead spot. But I go up another quarter mile, there's another dude. And then another 200 yards, another guy. So the three kind of good, decent, fishy spots are taken. And if you look on the map, there's like a giant, I don't know, Christmas tree farm on the other bank. So I'm walking along that. I mean, you could walk through the brush, the brush and bushes and bushwhack, or you can walk through the field. So I went through the field. I flushed a, a nice buck with huge antlers. Got a picture of him. Probably won't come out though. It's pretty far away. And I finally get up to the hole that has the flaming pipe. And it looks pretty fishy, but I'm thinking, you know what? What if I hook a fish and he runs downstream? My line's got to go over this blowtorch. And that's not happening. It's going to either melt the leader or it's going to melt the fly line. I don't know what it'll do with the fly rod. So I go upstream and fish a little bit. The hole there is probably seven or eight feet deep. Swinging intruders. I'm stripping them. I'm jerking them. Dead drifting them. Changing the split shot. And nothing. And by now, the sun has been out. I took off my Sitka hat. So I'm wearing a baseball hat. No gloves. Jacket unzipped. I'm sweating. All I'm thinking about now is that Pabst or the club soda sparkling whatever back here in the car. So I'm getting pretty parched. There was more snow on the ground that fresh. I probably would have taken a handful off the top and eaten it just to cool me down. But uh, and nothing up top. So I start making my way down. The guy who had caught the fish who was drifting egg sacks was gone. So I fished through there. And I want to mention that the only signs of life I saw, there were maybe a couple of midges in the the woods but i did see a big school of minnows or bait fish that looked exactly like the white death fly from autumn siren flies and i fished that down below and, and nothing and fished intruders again and nothing no now it's 345 Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. I cross the river, get back to the car, and finish the other half of the sandwich, drink some water, maybe had a half a beer, and then I go down and just fish the lower end of the, of the Todd Field. And I'm switching uh, my intruders up, you know, I'm doing a purple one, and I'm swinging it, dead drifting it, stripping it. I may have had a tug, but I'd say 25% sure that actually, just all of a sudden the rod just leapt forward. It could have just been... Split shot getting hung up on something and the current moving the rod. There were three guys stacked up under the bridge. So maybe I'll go back and fish the bridge tomorrow, but 
at that time I got the text that, hey, we're all throwing up. Uh, you can't really stay here tonight. Hope you have somewhere else to sleep. So I'm like, all right. I'll drive to Walmart where I am now. I uh, went inside, got a gallon of water because I'm running low on water. And I got some granola bars and used the facilities. And then um, I'm back towards Chagrin River Outfitters a little bit now. I'm about 10, 15 minutes away from Todd Field. So I'm probably not going to go back there tomorrow. I think I'm going to stick to the the narrow winding roads of Chagrin River Road where the houses look like fairy tales. And then from there, I will fish maybe till 11 or noon. Then my plan is to go to the Rocky River where Matt from last year sent me some Google pinpoints. And then maybe fish there until about 3 or 4. And then I'm just going to head back to Columbus. And the plan is to make a giant vat of porcini mushroom risotto with peas. And um, the bottle of wine that I bought for my house host tonight uh, is not going to them. Let's see. I went to this awesome, awesome grocery store. It is, uh, it's Pine Ridge, one of my wife's all-time favorites. It's a Chenin Blanc Viognier from California. It has uh, the narrow shoulders like a Pinot Noir or Viognier bottle would. And they also had, I mean, the prices there were insane. Um, you know, Horizon Milk was like $2, where it's like 5 in D.C. Amy's Organic Cream of Tomato Soup, by far the best canned soup you're ever going to have, especially if you got a grilled cheese with you. I would definitely do like a Gruyere grilled cheese sandwich on like a crusty bread for that or a pimento grilled cheese and dip it in. It's so good. Um, that can of soup is $4 in DC. It was like $1.98 there. The wines were, you know, fairly well priced. And then the wife always drinks the kombucha. Those were regularly like two fifty nine whatever. So I got her one of those, but they also had celestial seasoning brand kombucha. So I picked her up three of those. I, I remember having celestial seasoning iced tea in a bottle in Colorado 20 years ago. But I've never seen a kombucha. So I got her a bunch of those and got some other things and headed home and had some crock pot soup and mashed potatoes. And then I got up today. So um, yeah, that's where I got the bottle of wine tangent. So right now I think I'm going to, uh, curl up it's uh six o'clock it's pitch black it's about 36 degrees out it's getting cold in the back of the car i'm gonna turn off this here computer to save the battery and i hope my contact lenses don't freeze in their case overnight so that is it for today uh you know still i think the the rule is 100 percent of the fish in the river are in 10 percent of the river uh, finding those 10 percent is pretty hard so my chances up here aren't that good. If I don't hook a steelhead tomorrow, uh, maybe I, I might not come back up next year. Uh, do something else. Hang out a little bit more with the family. Maybe start learning some Russian with them. I don't know. But two years in a row, making the extra drive up here. Uh, gas right now is like 340 a gallon. So it's like 40 bucks each way. Um, yeah, it's a little pricey, but it's fun. It's good to get away. Just have the you know the sound of the river. And your thoughts with that. Um, All right. We'll catch up with you all tomorrow. Greetings from the attic. It's uh, Saturday night and everyone's asleep. And I wanted to knock the rest of the podcast out. 
and since the walls are thin, I had to come up here to uh, fill you guys in about the day. So I woke up uh, about 6.30, and like I said, it gets light late, so I kind of sat in my bed, a.k.a. the back of the Hyundai, sat in my sleeping bag with my hat on and my down jacket on and my nano puff pants and you know waited about an hour went into walmart did my my teeth put on my contacts and headed straight to the river so i got to the river maybe about 7 30 and i pull into the north chagrin reservation parking lot i forget the name of the section it's um slipping my mind right now but probably i'll, I'll name it on the uh the blog post when I get it up. So this is the spot where I hooked my one and only steelhead two years ago. And I get there and there's six cars in the lot and one guy waiting for his brother to show up. And then a woman shows up and it was pretty cool to see a woman get out with a fly and spinning rod and, and head out to the river. I suited up and was not far behind her and we walked in together and the river is completely different in the section than when Matt and I fished it last year. Not talking just about the weather. Last year, it was about 15 degrees and snowing. And today, when I got there, it was in the upper 30s, maybe 37. But today, it was uh, bluebird skies, and my car read about 55 degrees in the afternoon. The log that I was originally sent to that spot to fish for from Chagrin River Outfitters two years ago was now... It was a fallen tree. It's still there, but it's completely dry, and there's about two feet of space or air between what was the river bottom and the tree. The entire section's been completely scoured out and changed. The far bank where Matt and I walked in last year has been completely washed over. You didn't need to bushwhack anything when I crossed the river to that side. Um, it was just beaten down. All the vegetation was gone. I crossed the top of a nice riffle and the woman set up shop there and started rigging her gear. And I went down to the bend in the river, which I had been fishing the last two years. And there were three people fishing there. So the early bird, I guess, gets the worm. It was, uh, I think yesterday I said it didn't have to fish like Pulaska. You didn't have to be there at the butt crack. But I guess on a Saturday, when the temps in the 50s, you do have to be there at the butt crack of dawn. So I decided I'd cross the river and this spot had normally been waist deep for me in the past. I brought my waiting staff with me. I have one of those full staffs, but the bottom one, I can't get undone. So it's kind of awkward, but you just pop it out of its little holster and it puts itself together. And I start crossing and realize the whole stretch now is ankle deep. The waiting boots didn't even get wet. On the top crossing here, it was very shallow. And I went up, and there's this beautiful two foot deep riffle below where the woman was fishing that I decided to set up my camp, put the backpack down and my waiting staff. And so it's shallow. You got this fantastic riffle through the middle. And the other side, you have a cut bank where it's probably three to four feet deep and some slack water. So I start throwing intruders through there, and I'm swinging, I'm tossing, I'm stripping, I'm dead drifting. And I mean, anywhere else in the world that I've fished, there's a fish in a spot like this. It, it's classic, reading the water, oxygenated, places where there's seams where the fish can hang out and take a break before they move upstream. And it's perfect gravel and sand mixed in and, um, you know, small rocks to 
silver dollar size rocks to you know small like uh, tea coaster size. And I probably spent 30 minutes fishing this hole. I think I switched up maybe to a San Juan worm or another nymph and I'd fish my way down, walk up, fish my way down again and, and absolutely nothing. That woman, she packed up and left. She decided she was going to move downstream. So from there, I um, went back to the car and in the car, I decided I'm going to go back to the spot where Jim and I had fished yesterday. So I got in, and mind you, the drive through this morning was, I mean, I, I just love Chagrin River Road. It is absolutely beautiful. Um, it's this country winding road, and there's trees, and there, was just, there were deer everywhere. I almost hit a deer driving on SOM, which I don't know. I guess it's 91. Uh, yeah, I mean, residential I mean residential and business. That's where I stopped for lunch later in the day. I ate at the Chipotle. Because Donger needed food. So yeah, I hit it almost hit a deer there. And then I, you know, make a right, go down, and it's just I mean, you're you feel like you're a million miles away from everything. It is so uh pastoral, placid, serene, pristine, all those ninth grade vocabulary words come into mind. And I get to the next spot and there's another full parking lot. So I'm like, ah oh, crap. The spot's probably going to be full. So I walked down, and where I saw that dude chest deep yesterday, there were two guys with spinning rods. And I fished under the bridge, which is this fantastic hole. It's got probably a three-foot drop-off where the water comes in. It's under a bridge, which always is just good structure, shade. And I'm swinging through there, and absolutely nothing. I mean, a perfect-looking hole again, where if this was Colorado, there would be a monster brown or rainbow waiting to annihilate any streamer you throw in there and absolutely nothing. So I'm a little bit flustered. I decide to go down and around the bridge and fish that hole from the bottom. And again, nothing. Uh, And both sides of the river, it's braided here. I have these deep channels and cuts under the bridge and absolutely not a single fish. So I go back down to the spot where Jim and I fished yesterday, and the sun is blocked by some tall pine trees by that castle-like house. And I'm now throwing a San Juan worm, I think chartreuse or hot pink, with a flashback pheasant tail soft tackle nymph. Nothing. And I fish for, now it's probably 9.45, and I fish till about 11.30. And decide to pack it up, go get some chow, head over to the Rocky River. It's it's just not happening today. I'm fishing the same spots Jim is. And Jim lives there. He's a fishing manager. You've seen him in the fly fishing film tour, catching steelhead in the winter. If the guy's going to fish in that spot, you know that's a good spot. And I'm not giving it up because no hot spot in here. You have to find it yourself for my descriptions. But, you know, if that's where Jim wanted to fish, you know that's the spot. If that's where he chose to go with his couple hours before work, that's the place you want to be. But there weren't fish there. Beautiful spot. I mean, just gravel, cut banks, riffles, shade. And I probably lost two or three intruders in there. And, you know, that pisses me off because I was listening to the Zach Matthews podcast recently, Itinerant Angler, and it took me one podcast to tie three intruders. So that's 34 to 35 minutes. Then I go back to the car, put the rod away, 
and drive. And for some reason, I'm hankering burrito. So I finally find a Chipotle and I get a big burrito. And it's strange to me that they have the Great Lakes Brewing Company Christmas sale at Chipotle. But I guess it's brewed in Cleveland. They have it there. Meanwhile, it's taking me 10 years to just find that beer, which I found in D.C., through a friend's post on Facebook that it'd be a total beverage behind the counter limit one six pack per person. Yet they have it up here at Chipotle. So I get my big burrito and quickly learn that Chipotle is not good for driving. And now I'm going to the Rocky river and I've got my printout from Chicago or not Chicago, Cleveland Metro parks, which I'll put you the link in the maps up on, on my site on the blog. And I go to my email from Matt from last year. And he's got the Google pin drop and directions. And it says, I'll be there in like 40 minutes. So I get on, um, I don't know, 271 to 480 to Cleveland. I actually see the Cleveland skyline. I pass over, I guess, the Rocky River because the next left, the next exit was a left to go to the river. And the park that I'm supposed to go to is gated off and closed. So I drive over the bridge. And the bridge is really high up. So I'm like, great, I'm going to have to climb down here somehow. And I just make a left, which is where the actual Google Maps were to, not to that parking lot where it was closed. And there's a little gravel pull-off. So I pull off there. I change shirts because at this point I'm smelling like a Yeti. Now, if you know what movie that's quoted from, I smell like a Yeti. Props for you. And I go down to the river. And it's it's hot now, so I've taken off this. You know, I'm changed my shirt, so I'm just wearing a t-shirt. I'm wearing a long sleeve shirt and just my nano or my down ultralight jacket from Patagonia. Got the baseball hat on in the morning. I had on my Sitka hat because it was cold, but now no fingertipless gloves. There's no net gator. It's like 53 degrees out. I get down there and the whole river bottom. So I cross the the bridge, and then I see there's like a foot trail that scrambles down. And there's kids throwing rocks. I'm like, great, that's probably going to suck. So I get down there, and the whole river, it's a rocky river. It's like the slate, smooth bottom. It is perfectly scoured out, and it's not good steelhead holding water. If you listen to the Salmon River podcast, I mentioned that river north of town that had that same kind of river bottom where it's not holding water, it's passing through water. And I fish down there, and... Uh, I see a jig head on the ground, so I know someone's been fishing there, and I don't get any luck. So I decided to move upriver to where Matt said there's a good hole, and it looks like this park was carved out by, I don't know, it was spectacularly beautiful. There are these plunge pools and waterfalls, and everything's just smooth. Like in the summertime, I bet this is where everyone comes and just hangs out, has a spliff, drinks a beer after dark. The kids play here, and there are kids like climbing the rocks and bashing icicles. And um, I start fishing this one deep hole, and nothing. And then there's the, the waterfalls. I'm like, well, can steelhead really get over? I mean, one waterfall is just a straight drop off, you know, four feet down. And then there's this like water slide, I guess, that you could actually slide down in your arse if you're brave enough. And I'm like, well, I don't. I doubt the steelhead get over this. I know in Alaska, fish jump over these waterfalls, but can they really like swim up this thing? So I fished the big pool above the falls and nothing. And I'm like, all right, pack it up. It's now one o'clock. I've got a full belly. I want to get home, make some dinner. 
hit up the grocery store and decide I'm going to pack it up. And right as I get ready to cut my fly off, two dads and two sons walk down from the park. And I was like, so I guess there's fish here. And the guy's like, you bet your, you bet your ass there's fish in here. And I'm like, are you serious? He's like, that hole you're standing in right now, below the, the slide, he's like, I bet you there's two dozen steelhead in there right now. I'm like, are you effing with me? He's like, no. I'm like, well, I was going to pack up and move to another spot. And he's like, no, you want to be right here. And they've got minnows and grubs. So I st- I'm going to watch you guys for a minute. Second cast, the guy hooks like an 18-inch steel head. I'm like, are you effing kidding me? Like, and he says, yeah, you'll see them. They'll swim up the, the slide. He'll you'll be sitting here fishing and steelhead will go up that thing right in front of you. I was like, I wouldn't believe it if you didn't tell me that. So he starts showing me. He's pointing out. I'm not. My job is to spot fish. I got my expensive glasses on. I got my hat. I can see things that most people don't in the water. It's what I'm supposed to do. And he's like, there's a steelhead right there. And his kids are like, oh, yeah, dad, there's another one. And I'm like, I'll believe you guys because you caught one. And then, boom, he hooks into another one like two minutes later. So I'm like, all right. I start swinging fly. I see that hole. I put on some droppers. He's like, all right, follow my buddy. He's going to go show you how to cross that stream. You're going to fish below the big waterfall. He's like, we pulled out maybe half a dozen steelhead there the other day before the after the floods whatever he's like he doesn't look like it but trust me they're in there so i start fishing there i start tying droppers on an intruder which i don't think you're supposed to do but i wanted to do it and between these two pools and there'll be pictures of this on the blog i throw intruders with small spirit river squirmy wormy my purple squirmy wormy pink Jumbo Jane, I throw bead eggs. Uh, what else did I throw? San Juans. And now I've actually taken out that mother load box, the mothership, and I'm going through there like buggers, nymphs. I'm going through, like, what, what's going on here? The guy hooks and loses another. He doesn't lose it. He breaks his spinning line. So I'm like, all right, great. So I fish, and I'm like, all right, 2 o'clock comes i'm just gonna pack up and go and then two more dudes show up kind of older guys probably in their late 60s and the two dads and the two sons are packing up they're like all right rob we'll see you later and i wanted to give them my card and say if you're ever in dc let me repay you the favor so then um i wanted to say like i'll repay the favor if you're ever in dc i'll put you guys on fish so they pack up and i'm telling these guys i'm getting ready to leave and then he says that whole those guys were fishing Probably two dozen steelhead in there. And I'm like, is this something you guys tell the tourists? Are these like drop bears in Australia? And he's like, my buddy caught a coho in there last week. Took him 45 minutes and went down from that pool to the lower one back up. And he's like, yeah, you'll see them jump up back and forth. So I'm like, all right, I'll fish here a little bit longer. And I actually see a steelhead try and jump the big four foot waterfall. But it only goes like a foot and a half up and just hits the rocks and falls back down. I wouldn't have believed it if I hadn't seen it happen. So they're like, yeah, so uh, you got some grubs on you, right? I'm like, grubs? I'm a fly fisherman. He's like, so you got some uh, some maggots with you, right? I'm like, yeah, no, I fly fish. He's like, well, get some maggots. I'm like, I'm, I'm leaving right now. I got to go back to Columbus. He's like, see that hole under the bridge? There's a big drop off. 
They'll be stacked up in there, two, three dozen right now. They just sit there and wait to run the falls. It's like, all right. So I start talking to these guys. He's like, really? You got no maggots? You put a maggot on a cheek head and just sit it on the bottom? I'm like, no, I only have flies here. He's like, all right, go down there and fish. So I'm like, all right. And I go down there and I swing for five minutes. And I'm just like, all right, it's like 210 now. Forget it. And uh, I pack up, go up, change. I got to take off the nano puff pants. I, I'm just wearing the t-shirt now. It's actually that warm. It's about 2.15, 2.20 when I'm actually back in the car. I got the Michael Mayer podcast on. I hit the road. I find Dunkin' Donuts to get some coffee. And I ate a donut, which every time I eat a donut, I say it's the last time I'm going to eat that nasty, just fried sugar. But I'm dumb enough to fall for it again. I guess it's like a fish falling for the same fly twice. And the one thing is Dunkin' Donuts isn't marked. So it's the same exit. It's two miles before 271 if you're going north and two miles after 271 if you're going south. And it says the Sheets is 3.2 miles away. So go towards Sheets. Dunkin' will be at the top of the hill. And I get some munchkins for my munchkin, the pixie. And I head home and I get a text, hey, you got to stop and get some milk. So I listen to the last two Michael Maris Show podcasts for the year. I stop back off at the grocery store. I forget what it's called, but it's it's next to Cabela's and Costco. And get a nice bottle of French white wine to go with a French blue cheese. And I got um, some new jojoba shampoo because I'm out of jojoba shampoo. I might look dirty sometimes, but I do cleanse myself. And that brings me back down here. I got here a little after 5, 5.30 p.m. And I want to say that traffic in Ohio at its worst is like the Beltway in D.C. at 7 a.m. on a Sunday. It's unbelievable. When Cabela's says it's like 14 miles away and it's going to take 25 minutes, you get there in like 16 minutes. It's you know In D.C., I give myself five minutes per mile when traveling. That's just the way I do things. But here, no, honestly, it takes you as long to get there as it's miles. So 10 miles away, you're going to be there in eight minutes. So that's about it. It's been uh, three years steelheading up here the same time every year. Um, I saw one steelhead the whole trip. The only other fish I saw were the dead walleye and those minnows on the chagrin. Maybe it was me. Maybe it was, you know, everyone said every spot I went to, oh, the recent floods, the river was frozen before that. Then we got three inches of rain and 10 inches of snow melt. There was big floods, but, um, you know, I'm saying now I, I don't want to make that drive again by myself. I, but you know what? I'm going to do it again next year. I love that Chagrin River Road. I took pictures of this cottage with ivy growing on it, white picket fence, and just stone with moss on the roof surrounded by pines and sycamores. Just a beautiful, you know, I'm fine with getting skunked sometimes. Absolutely. That's steelhead fishing. You know, I'm still chasing snakeheads. I've got one. On an average of every 3.2 years now. So, you know, we don't always fish just for, for catching. A lot of the fun I had this trip was just throwing that two-handed rod and just doing some spay casts and just shooting that line out and watch that shooting head go out and then all of your line just zip out with it. That's just some of the fun of it, just swinging flies that you made yourself out in nature having some time yourself. So this is the last podcast for 2013. In a couple of days, it'll be 2014. That'll be my fourth year as a full-time fly fishing guide. My first year 
tying at the fly fishing show. I'll get my new boat. 2014 is going to be I think, a big year for me, so be sure to stop by my booth at Lancaster and Winston-Salem. Say hi. Give me a call if you're in D.C. and want to book a trip. I've got some podcasts I'll try to work on from listener requests, and that's about it. Um, Jason, you know what to do. Take it away. Thank you for joining us for the Fly Fishing Consultant Podcast. For more information or to contact Rob, please go to www.robsnowwhite.com.
Brave anglers search for the one they call king, but who will take his throne? Tune in to Waypoint TV's Battle for Silver, Saturday, May 18th from 12 to 6 p.m. Eastern. Presented by Abyss Battery. Waypoint TV.